can God speak through me? Wow. And the answer is yes. Moses said something. When the, remember when the Holy Ghost fell on the congregation and the men were running through, through the area and they were prophesying? It's like hundreds of them were prophesying. And people were complaining. They said only certain people can prophesy. Only certain people can hear from God, right? And I love what Moses said. Moses said, shut up. I would to God that everybody could prophesy. Boy, when he said that, he was actually prophesying because now we're living in a time when you don't have to be a prophet to prophesy. You just have to be a believer. You can prophesy. You can speak forth what God is putting on your heart for someone else, for yourself. Amen. In the New Testament, the book of Acts, it says, Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Right? Young men, old men shall see dreams and young men visions. We see the purpose of prophecy in 1 Corinthians 14. And I'm going to try to open some doors for you. Listen, 14.1. This is in the Amplified Version, so it might sound a little different. Pursue this love with eagerness. Make it your goal. Yet earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual gifts to be used by believers for the benefit of the church, but especially that you may prophesy to foretell the future or to speak a new message from God to the people. Right? Say amen. For one who speaks in an unknown tongue does not speak to people but to God, for no one understands him or catches his meaning. But by the Spirit he speaks mysteries, secret truths, hidden things. Uh But on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to what? People for edification to promote their spiritual growth. And he speaks words of encouragement to uphold and advise them concerning the matters of God and speaks words of consolation to compassionately comfort them. Verse 4. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church, promotes growth in spiritual wisdom, devotion, holiness, and joy. I'm getting feedback up here if you can help me a little bit. Amen? So there's the purpose of prophesying. It's not, it's, <laughs> it's not the gift of criticism. It's not the gift of fault finding. It's not really just even, it's not just about foretelling the future. It's about having a word from God that you speak out. Now listen, I don't know if You know, we get real religious about this stuff, but if you stop and think about it a minute, isn't it really amazing that you can speak for God? We sing that song, His Reckless Love. Yeah, there it is. God's a reckless God because He speaks to us, and it goes through our filter. And some of you have a lot of filters. And after it gets through that filter, God's like, did I say that? Amen? I've been around long enough to where I've had situations where I had to deal with what I call dueling prophets, where one gives a word and the other one gives the exact opposite word, and they're both mad at you because you didn't do it. (laughs) 
Usually, you know, a lot of times when you get conflicting words, you throw them both out the window. I don't know. I need confirmation. I need God to speak. I need to understand this. Amen. Listen, I know this is a gray area. It's not an area. And listen, we're not in the Old Testament, thank God, because in the Old Testament, if you're wrong, you get stoned. And the reason for that is because, for the most part, 90% of all prophecy was in one man at one time. So you better get it right. Because you're talking to kings. You're influencing nations. So you better get it right. But in the New Testament, amen, I love it on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost came down. He said tongues of fire. He said that, that, that fire divided into 120 pieces and sat on the head. In other words, God saying, I'm taking what used to be in one man. And by the way, that one man is Jesus. I'm going to take what used to be in one man, and I'm going to divide it all amongst the church. You have a vital role to play in this. You Listen, it's not just a privilege. You, need, you have a responsibility to hear from God and to speak into other people's lives. Boy, it's hard to get an amen this morning. Y'all okay? We up too late watching some movie? What, what happened? How many know we need to be prepared when we come to the house of the Lord? Listen, what, what, uh, by example, I want to go to the life of Timothy. How many love Timothy? Amen. Paul's uh, spiritual son. Amen. And uh, so let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and look, look into his life a little bit. And he said, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, that special endowment, wow, which was intentionally bestowed on you, wow, by the Holy Spirit, but through prophetic utterance. His whole calling came through somebody speaking it into his life. Somebody needed to obey God. When the elders laid their hands on you at your ordination. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Practice and work hard on these things. Be absorbed in them, completely occupied in your ministry so that your progress will be evident to all. You know, it amazes me how many times we'll speak over somebody and then they just, they just take a seat and say, well, God, whenever you're ready. Faith without works is dead. Now, I'm not saying you make it happen, but you need to flow with what God's doing. If God, God says you're going to have a healing ministry, you don't wait around for somebody to get healed. You lay your hands on every sick head you can find. He said, well, I prayed for two people and they didn't get healed. Oh, grow up. There's a war to fight out there. Keep praying. Keep pushing until God get, oh, practice and work hard on these things. Be absorbed in them, right, so that your progress will be evident to all. I think there's another verse or two. Pay close attention to yourself. Concentrate on your personal development and to your teaching. Persevere in these things. Hold to them. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Now, here's the thing we don't think about Timothy. We kind of we know. We, we don't know this for certain, but it seems like Seems like Timothy was a little insecure. Anybody else have problems with that? See, nobody raised their hand because if you do, you'd, you'd be insecure about raising your hands. So apparently the whole congregation has but too insecure to raise their hands. 
And sometimes we blame it on him being a youth, like he's like he's 21. No, listen, Timothy was born in 17 A.D., and it was about the early 50 A.D.s that he starts traveling with Paul. He's already in his early 30s. So he's, he's young in the Lord, perhaps, and Paul might be referencing that, but it's not like he's just a teenager or early 20s, but it seems like he's a bit insecure. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. And I, I want you to understand this because sometimes we put people on such pedestals that we say, oh, that, well, that's Timothy. That can never be me. I'm here to tell you that could be you. You know that I've been called uh, to serve the God of my fathers uh, with a clean conscience. Night and day I pray for you, thanking God for your life. This is in the Passion Translation. I know that you have wept for me, your spiritual father. But by the way, that gives me some insight there because most men, you know, we're told not to cry. I mean, a man hug is something, but just breaking down and crying, that's just over the top. So he, he's, he's, a little, uh, he, he's a little touchy-feely. Can we go with that? And your tears are dear to me. I can't wait to see you again. I'm filled. I'm filled with Joy. Let's go a little further. Come on. As I think of your strong faith that was passed down through your family line, right? Began with your grandmother and passed on to your mother. He said, see, Timothy is a third-generation Christian already. They got saved early on when the church first went out. Verse 6. He said, I'm writing to encourage you, what? To fan into a flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gift that God imparted to you when I laid my hands on you. Boy, here's something. He says, you know, you got it. You were anointed. By the way, when you're anointed, you're anointed. You don't lose that. You may not walk in it. You may kind of backslide in it, but it's yours till you die. I don't care what you did in your life. You're still anointed to do that. But what happens is we let the fire die out. There's nothing sadder than a cold, cold night and nothing burning in the fireplace. And we're living in a world that's dying, that's cold, that needs something from the church. But I'm afraid when they come in our churches, all they see is a dead fireplace. It's time to rekindle the power of the Holy Ghost in the church of Jesus Christ one more time. It's time to start stirring up. Some of you are wondering, well, where did it go? Where did it go? Stir. Thank you. God will never give you the spirit of fear. That word is actually intimidation. This is what I mean. Some Timothy, or at least early in his ministry, seemed to be easily intimidated. People would say things, and well, he's a third. I mean, after all, he's a third generation Christian, right? The first generation are like, ha! Second generation are an echo, ha ha! And then that third generation almost has to start over again. Come on, watch it in your own families. You know, I'm first generation. I got saved, right? My children on fire for God. 
But they fought, they had to find their own way. But it's going to be even harder for that third generation because it just seems to get watered down somehow. But that's not the way it's supposed to work. We're supposed to, whatever anointings we have, we're supposed to pass them on to them and then add on so that by the third generation, you've got a roaring fire. That's the way it's supposed to work. But the Holy Spirit, who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. Never be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. See, there it again. Is he referring to something in Timothy's personality? Don't be embarrassed over my imprisonment. He's in, Paul's in jail when he's writing this. But overcome every evil by the revelation of the power of God. He gave us resurrection life and drew us to himself by his, by his holy calling on our lives. Wow. And it wasn't because of any good we have done, but by his divine pleasure and marvelous grace that confirmed our union with the anointed Jesus even before time began. One more verse. This truth is now being unveiled by the revelation of the anointed Jesus, our life giver, who has dismantled death obliterating all its effects on our lives and has manifested his immortal life in us by the gospel. Come on, Timothy. Resurrection power lives in you. Don't be intimidated. Don't operate in fear. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Get bold, Tim. Come on, somebody help me in this place. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 10 and 11. That this truth, um, when Timothy arrives, make sure that he feels at home while he's with you because you know how awkward he gets. You know, sometimes Timothy needs a little encouragement. So, so, so make sure you, you know, make him feel at home, right? Uh, for he's advancing the Lord's work just as I am. Don't let anyone disparage or look down on him. Good grief. Paul's in prison. He's getting whipped and beat. Take care of Timothy. But kindly help him on his way with financial support so that he may come back to me, for I am waiting for him and the brothers to return. Are you beginning to get a picture of this guy named Timothy that maybe he had some shortcomings? I know all of you got it together. You have no hindrances or any misgivings or reasons not to step out in the power of God. All of you will be at the Crestline meeting next Sunday night because you're going door to door in Crestline, every one of you. Lord, you heard that silence. (laughs) Help us, Jesus. And it's not just Timothy, right? Abraham was too old. Moses was too much of a criminal. And, and, and too much of a, he had too much of a speech impediment. Peter was too impetuous. James was too intellectual. John was too emotional. I, Isaiah was too unworthy. Jeremiah was too young. I mean, how many do I have to give you here? Every single one of them started with a handicap. Every single one of them were not qualified when they started this thing. I'm telling you, God qualifies who he calls. He equips who he calls. He will make you avail. Oh, my God. He will speak through anybody that's willing to, to, to stand in that position, stand in that role, and hear from God and change this world for Jesus Christ. Come on, give him a praise right now. 
Come on, Dick, just take a praise break and say, that's me, Lord. That's me, Lord. That's me. That's me. Wow. I remember, not that I'm that old, but I remember when Peter got a vision and Cornelius got that vision. Remember that? You need to understand that some, some years had gone by after Christ's resurrection, and they were only preaching to the Jews. Sometimes we don't understand that. I mean, they thought this gospel was for Jewish people. Are, is anyone glad that changed? And God had to give Peter a vision, right? He had this picnic blanket, and it dropped from heaven. And on the blanket was all this pig food that Jews aren't supposed to eat. And he said, rise and eat. In other words, get out of your comfort zone and start ministering to people who aren't like you. The problem with us is we're always, none of us think we have to change as long as we're in the majority. And we always expect everyone else to act like us. We never really get in their shoes and understand their culture and where they're coming from and what they have to deal with. We just expect them to be like us. We won't even eat their food. Well, I, I, just, I just can't. You know what my, my philosophy of life is? Life's too short to turn down food. I don't care what it is. Life is too short. I'll try anything. As long as it's not still crawling, I will... I mean, I may not like it, but I'm going to try it. Because, you know, I've heard of people, they spend their whole life hating something, and then they accidentally eat it and say, you know, this is good. And you, you've lost out. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Now I'm preaching to everybody. All the audiences are on board. Amen. Life's too short to be picky about food. And life's too short to be picky about who you minister to. Timothy kind of had that problem, you know, and, and a lot of us have that problem. I don't care. I don't care who I'm with. You know, I like when I get around a culture I'm not familiar with, I want to learn all about that culture. I want to know what makes them tick, what makes them happy, what they do every day, what they eat, what, what you know, what, you know, because I don't, you know, I don't want to offend them. And I, I want to reach them, and I just want to learn because people do things in different ways. Is anybody with me on that? Anyway, at the same time, Cornelius is getting a vision. And they meet, right? And Peter goes preaching to the Gentiles. And the church back there is gossiping. Where's Peter? Well, he went, he's preaching. Oh, good. Where's he preaching at? Well, it's not in a synagogue. He's not on the street. Well, he, he's preaching at some, <laughs> some, some Roman a Roman? <laughs> what? He's preaching to a Roman soldier. Oh, God, they're the worst. Why in the world would you preach to them? Yeah, yeah, he's over at his house, and there's a whole bunch of people over there. And uh, it was, you know, he was there last Saturday and <laughs> preaching the gospel, and the Holy Ghost fell on them. You mean they spoke? Yeah, they spoke in tongues. Gentiles. You mean those Roman people spoke in tongues? I heard there were some Greeks there, too. The Romans are our enemies. Would God fill our enemies with the Holy Ghost? They had to have a church conference. <laughs> what are we going to do with this? <laughs> well, wait till Peter comes back. 
But isn't it amazing? You're here today because somebody heard a word from God and was able to share it. And if the truth be known, it's not just Peter. Someone else got a word. Maybe the person who won you from the Lord said something to you that convinced you, amen, that, that my life's not what it, what it is. It should not, it's not, it's falling apart. It's not right. I'm going in the wrong direction. Somebody gave a word to you that there's a better way. Anybody testify? Amen. There's several lessons we can learn from Peter in this. He said that. God said, I saw Cornelius, who is a heathen, basically, but he, but he prayed. I don't know who he prayed to because he wasn't saved, but he, he was a praying man. But he said, he said, your prayers have gone up as a memorial. Did you know your prayers could be a memorial? Did you know that your prayers can add up? Did you know your prayers can mount up? Did you know that when you get to heaven, there's going to be memorials in your room of prayers that you spent a lot of time on and you built a memorial? Wow, that's an awesome thought. I had to just preach a whole sermon on that. The third thing we understand um, from this and, and from Timothy and all this stuff, he said there are generational blessings that we need to start activating in our life. How many know that's another sermon? There are things in your generations, even things that they didn't receive. We, on my dad's side, we traced our family back to the time of Napoleon in the 1700s. And, and they were, you know, Catholic all the way through. I was the first non-Catholic for like 19 generations. And I don't know what they all missed back then, but I'm claiming everything from 19 generations. I'm trying to find it. I'm trying to go even further back. So I said... I want what he didn't get. Amen. And if they did get it, I want that too. <laughs> Jesus. And then, and then there are generational blessings that we should activate. And there are prophecies, there are prophecies as in Timothy's life that we need to activate. I kind of mentioned this before. There are things I prayed over some of you, and it's never happened. And I know you're blaming me. Well, I guess he missed it. Well, maybe. But more likely, you didn't pursue it. More likely, you didn't activate it. It's like giving you a new iPhone and you never plug it in. I don't know what's wrong with this thing. It don't work. Plug it in. It does come with some power. But <laughs> Oh, that's so good. The, the ushers are coming back. I mean, that's... <laughs> And, and the last point about Timothy is don't, not the last point, but don't give in to intimidation. There's a lot of voices out there. Don't give in to it. There's going to be people who say, who do you think you are? God speaks to you. <laughs> the world will intimidate you. They don't really care that, that you talk to God, but when you claim God talks to you, they say you have something wrong with you. Come on. They hear voices. Lock them up. Lock them up. Don't give in to intimidation. <laughs> I've told this story before, but it's never left me, so I guess, I guess I should keep telling it. We were in the old sanctuary. This was many years ago, and, and, and someone else was preaching, and I was sitting in the back. I don't get to do that very often. So I was sitting in the back, very last row. And while they were preaching, I was like, Amen! 
You know, I hate these preachers who want you to say amen and say hallelujah, and then when someone else is preaching, they sit there like a bump on the log. Come on now. They're all like, ha, ha, ha. And then someone else is preaching. Oh, well, what time is it? Oh. How many of you worship leaders, you, you know, you, uh-huh. Yeah, well, yeah, mm-hmm. they're up there all the, they're doing the hoot nanny, but when you're leading worship, it's like, mm. there is so much truth in this message, I tell you, there's, I, I just kept saying, hey, man, but there was a little, little five or six-year-old sitting right in front of me, and every time I'd shout hallelujah, he'd turn around and look at me like I was a nut, I mean, right in front of me, I said, glory to God. He did that, you know, he kept, and every time I'd shout, he'd turn around and give me a look. And I actually started backing down. I said, well, maybe I'm a little loud. I don't know. And finally something rose up in me and said, I am being intimidated by a five-year-old. And I'm in the back of the church. Nobody can see me anyway. So I just went, glory to God. And he turned around. And I said, amen. Intimidate me. Don't be intimidated. The next point, it's, it's all about the gift of God. You have nothing to do with it anyway. It's God's gift. It's not about you. Whatever God gives you, you know, don't be backward about it because it's not you. It's Him. It's a gift. Wow. And finally, activate resurrection power because He is alive in us. Let me, let me close this out by looking at it another way, a whole different way. James chapter 5, verse 16. Let's look at this in the message. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other. Preacher, where are you going with this? And pray for each other, right? Speak over each other so that you can live together whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. We're talking about you. Let's look at this in the Passion, same verse. Confess and acknowledge how you've offended one another, and then pray for one another to be instantly healed. (laughs) For tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. Oh, come on now, folks. We talk sometimes about this, but we never do it. I know for some of you it's because you never sin, but we all have weaknesses and faults, and, and we should confess them. And, and you know what? You know, watch this now. I want you to catch this. In other words, we need to start speaking over each other, prophesying over each other, sharing with one another. And, and, and of course, be careful who you share with. But here's something. We always assume that everyone else is right, and we're the one messed up, so we're confessing. We're all messed up. So when I confess to you, you know what? You're probably going to find something in my confession that you relating to, too. And so when I confess you to someone, they generally confess back, and we begin to understand because we get in these little boxes where we think our sin is like, oh, i got to keep this quiet. No one else has ever dealt with anything like this, I'm sure. You know, I look around the church. These are all perfect Christians. When I first got saved, everyone was a saint. Everyone was but the longer I was saved, the more they backslid. I know this is a surprise to some of you, but, but we're not perfect. Confess your faults. Speak into each other's lives. 
Forgive one another. Talk it through. Work it out. Start speaking into other people's lives, and they'll start speaking into your life. And, you know, it's kind of a huge can of worms from a pastor's point of view, but it's time we start. uh, Listen, this pastor, I'm allowing everyone in this place to be prophetic. I'm allowing everybody in this church to get to that place where you can speak into other people's lives. But first of all, you need to learn how God can speak into yours. Come on. Timothy may have had his problems. You know, his, his daddy was a Greek. His mama was a Jew. And he lived in a Roman colony. He's what you'd call coming from a mixed marriage. <laughs> Back then, race was all about that. It wasn't about color. It was about what nationality that was your race, what, where, where your people are from. That was your race. You understand what Scripture, when Scripture uses the word race, it's talking about nations. So he, he came from, I mean, you can't be more mixed up than that. Daddy was Greek. And we know it was a problem in the church because they, they talked about it. Well, his daddy was a Greek. I wonder if he's circumcised. Read your Bible. Yeah, the story gets worse from there, but I'll spare it. His daddy was a Greek. His mama was a Jew. He lived in a Roman city. <laughs> and then they all got saved. Oh, God, help us. Here comes the Timothy family going to join our church, a Greek, a Jew, a Roman. Now they're all saved. God, help us all. What's this world coming to? It's no wonder that Paul told Timothy, drink a little wine once in a while for your stomach's sake. I believe the man had ulcers. (laughs) He had an identity problem. No wonder he was intimidated. No wonder he felt insecure. He didn't know who he was. Am I Greek? Am I a Jew? Am I a Roman? Am I a Christian? But somehow, I don't know about his daddy. I don't know. Maybe he was an absent dad. Who knows? But somehow he found, you know, somehow Paul became his spiritual father. And Paul raises him up. And Paul said at one point, I've got nobody like Timothy. Timothy, nobody's like Timothy. I need him. He is a man of God. Amen. He wound up being the bishop over Ephesus. He lived to be 80 years old. Here's how Timothy died. They were having a pagan parade through the city of Ephesus. This is like 97 AD. This is 60 years after Christ. He's the bishop of Ephesus and the, all the churches of that area. And we don't know exactly what he did, but he went into the streets and preached Jesus as the parade came by. Does that remind you of any parades going on? To, uh, there are parades now where, they, where most of the people in the parade out in L.A., San Francisco, where most of the people are completely naked, committing sexual acts, and they encourage children to come, encourage children to be a part of it. We're living in a whole different world, folks, but don't be intimidated. He went out and stood and preached Jesus because a lot of the city was saved then. So he went out and preached. I've been to Ephesus. I walked those very streets that he was on. That just, that just thrills me to, to understand that. And, 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 and he went out in the street and he preached Jesus, and the people in the parade attacked him. They stoned him and dragged his body through the city. What happened to intimidated, I've got an ulcer, I need to be treated well when I come to visit? 
What happened to backward, uh, uh, no self-esteem Timothy? Something got a hold of him, amen. And he stood boldly in that city that day and stood against the evil of that city and said, God has a plan for your life. And he preached salvation that day. And they killed an 80-year-old man. But I'm here to tell you what God did in Timothy. He can do in you and through you if you'll just rise up and say, God, use my voice voice.